Good morning. I'm really glad to be here with you this morning. It's a beautiful day. It's a wonderful day. And especially a wonderful day to praise our God. Anybody ever been on a diet before? Anybody like it? Yeah, nobody likes it. You know, diets, they come in all shapes and sizes, but most of the time we associate the idea of a diet with wanting to lose weight or stay healthy. And there's something really weird that people do when they're on a diet. They call it a cheat meal. You ever heard of a cheat meal? If you've been on a diet, you may have heard of it. After doing well on a diet for several days or several weeks, they decide it's time to eat stuff they shouldn't in amounts they shouldn't, and they call it a cheat meal. I'm going to go and have 12 burgers from in and out I'm going to go and I'm going to order five large pizzas, and I'm going to eat all of them, and it'll be my cheat meal. There's a problem with cheat meals. The danger is that cheat meal turns into cheat day, right? Didn't quite finish all the pizza. And so it's got to be a cheat day, not just a cheat meal. And then cheat day turns into, I'll die at some other time. I want you to hold on to the idea of cheat day, cheat meal for a while. Hold on to that. This morning we're continuing our studies in 2 Peter chapter 1. You can turn over there to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, and you can find a list, a list we've been discussing for several weeks. Peter gives it to us so that we will follow it and be fruitful and useful in God's service. We've discussed four of the items on that list in the past few weeks. We discussed faith, that is, our confidence in God that causes us to commit our lives to Him. We talked about adding virtue to our faith. That's being people of integrity. We talked about adding knowledge to virtue. That's seeing the reality of life, not just how I feel about my life. And then self-control added to knowledge. That means that I'm the one in control of my actions and my thoughts, and I am ultimately responsible, and so I become the master of my body and my emotions, and I tell it what to do, not the other way around. Self-control. Today we're adding perseverance to self-control, and then we're adding godliness to perseverance. So let's start with perseverance. In your Bible, it might be translated steadfastness or endurance. And you remember what we talked about in the beginning of the lesson, a cheat day or a cheat meal. Perseverance is about not having a cheat meal. Perseverance is about not having the cheat day. Uh, Some people treat their spiritual life the way they treat their diet. Or maybe even an exercise routine. You know, you get up in that morning and you think, boy, this exercise routine, I'm just going to take a cheat day on this because it's too difficult to make it all the way through. And so they don't persevere. Some people treat spiritual life that way. They look at their spiritual life and they think, you know, I've been doing very well. I've been walking with God for many days and weeks. And and you know, they start to feel like a climber who's reached the pinnacle of the mountain. And they look out and they think, I've conquered I'm okay, I'm doing well, and they decide to rest. They decide that a little sin here or there, well, it really won't be so bad. I've been doing so well for so long after all. And then something happens. I don't know if you've caught this in yourself, but I catch it in me. We start to make those peer pressure arguments to ourselves. It's only one time. 
right? You ever, you ever talk to yourself that way? Well, it's just once. It's only once. You won't get addicted. Everyone else is doing it anyway. Just go ahead. Or, or how about you've already proven you can come back from the sin. Just go ahead and indulge yourself. This will be your cheat day. In Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, Paul talks about the new life that we live after being baptized into Christ. And there he says, verse 5 of Romans 6, For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Coming down to verse 11, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Anybody else see the self-control ideas? What are you presenting your body to? You notice that's active. That's me doing something. What am I presenting myself to? Is it to rebellious sin or is it to obedient righteousness? I'm presenting myself to one or the other with every choice I make. Self-control is pretty easy to see here. But self-control without perseverance always ends in sin. Self-control without perseverance always ends in sin. It's easy to have self-control for a moment. Control yourself right now. Easy, right? What's difficult is to have self-control for many consecutive moments. And that's perseverance. Having self-control for many consecutive moments. Especially the ones where temptation occurs. Perseverance is especially linked to spiritually difficult times. And those happen in both extremes of life. When we're feeling like we've mastered our walk with God. We talked about that before. Being on top of the mountain. And you start to become too sure of yourself. Pride goes before the fall. Let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. But there's also the time when we see before us the seemingly unending list of improvements I need to make to myself shortcomings I have before God. And you see that looming list standing tall and towering over you and you begin to feel crushed and pushed down by it. And so you think there's just no hope for me. I'll just go ahead and sin because that's where I'm at anyway. Both of those are times where we need to learn perseverance, self-control over Many consecutive moments. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, we read something that's important. James 1 verse 2, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, 
when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Funny thing about the word endurance, it's the same word for perseverance in 2 Peter chapter 1. Same word. Endurance, perseverance, steadfastness. We need to attain it and grow in it. Does it start to make sense why God allows us to go through very difficult things in life? If He desires for us to grow in our steadfastness, in our self-control over many consecutive moments, does it make sense that when that grows, it's only in a time of trial? When it's in a time of that difficulty, that's when we grow the most in this. Makes sense that He would allow us to go through these things because it helps us to grow in perseverance, in endurance, steadfastness. And if you're looking for an image of perseverance, if you want someone in the Bible to attach yourself to, James chapter 5 verse 11 identifies him. There's a whole book dedicated to this guy. It's more than 40 chapters long, so there's plenty to read. James 5 verse 11 says, We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job. That's perseverance. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. If you need a goal, if you need something to remember, when you're in those consecutive moments where you're trying to exercise self-control, remember that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful because that's the outcome we desire. We desire to be shown mercy. And so let's maintain God's way over those many consecutive moments so that He will grant that to us. Perseverance is about trusting the compassion and mercy of the Lord in the middle of your spiritual crisis or maybe in the middle of your physical crisis that is causing a spiritual crisis. Isn't it something how those are often connected to each other? When there's physical trauma or physical difficulty, many times that causes spiritual distress. And it's in those times we need to trust in the Lord. Add perseverance to your self-control. Don't just have self-control for a while and then cheat. But instead, push through. Push through the spiritual crisis. Control yourself toward godliness even when you think it might be acceptable to sin. And then, add to your perseverance godliness. Godliness. That's about being devoted to God your devotion to Him. When's a person most likely to cuss? I suppose it depends on the person. But usually, it's when you smacked your hand with a hammer. Right? Whack! What comes out of your mouth? Isn't that sort of thing when a person is most likely to slip? When you pound yourself with a hammer, stub your toe, get something heavy dropped on you. When you're enduring great trauma or stress, we're likely to step into sin and stumble in our walk with God. 
And this is where self-control, perseverance sort of meet together. It's in devotion to God, in godliness. When you are persevering through something difficult, it can be tempting to accuse God. It can be tempting to turn on Him and blame Him for the things that are wrong in your life. It can be tempting to blame Him for your weaknesses. That's where godliness comes in. Devotion to God. Turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1 verse 13. There's something special about Job. He was the richest man. Richest man, greatest man of all the men in the east. That's verse 3 of Job chapter 1. But Satan asked God for permission to hurt him. To take from him all the blessings that God had given him. And so Satan does just that from verses 13 to down about verse 19. You have messenger after messenger after messenger after messenger. Who come one right after the other and they tell Job, everything you have is gone. Your oxen in verse 14, your donkeys in verse 14... In verse 16, you've got the fire of God from heaven burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 17, the Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 18, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Do you know how many sons and daughters Job had? Verse 2 says, seven sons and three daughters, ten children he had. All of them together in one house, all of them gone. And that was the last message he received. All the way through, perhaps he was thinking, well, at least my family's okay. At least my family's okay. I can lose the oxen. I can lose the donkeys. I can lose the servants. Uh, it's not what I like, but I understand it. His family's gone too. No sons, no daughters. All ten gone. And then verse 20, Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. That's godliness. But you know his story doesn't end there, does it? In chapter 2, Satan comes back and in verse 4 he says, Skin for skin! You harm him. You let me harm his body. And he'll turn and he'll curse you to your face. And so Satan gives him boils. And it says from the sole of his foot, that's the very bottom of your body, to the crown of your head, the very top. That means along his face, on the soles of his feet where he might stand, on his back, where he might lean against a wall. Boils. 
Boils to the extent that when his friends came to see him, he was so disfigured that he was unrecognizable. And in that unrecognizable, disfigured, abused state, in great pain, sitting in the ashes, scraping himself with broken pottery, his wife comes in verse 9. And she says, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Can you imagine a disfigured Job sitting in pain and his wife comes and tells him to curse God and die and he says, oh no. You're speaking like a fool. He didn't consider the disfigurement of his body, the loss of every possession he owned, anything to turn against God for. That's the extent of his devotion. That's the extent of his godliness. In your perseverance, add godliness. Be devoted to God. Instead of allowing sin to accompany these other things, maintain godliness. Remain wholly devoted to God even in the middle of your pain. Be like Job who endured. And in the end, it was Job who God said spoke right. And his friends spoke incorrectly. It was Job who had to pray for them. Not because of his own merit, but because he remained devoted to God. Be godly. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return there. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What do you have that God didn't give you? I don't have anything that God didn't give me. Even my own life is not mine. God gave it to me. What do you have that God didn't give you? What can, what can be taken away from your life? Before you'll stop blessing the name of the Lord. There should never be a point where you say, Okay, I've lost this and this and this, but now I've lost this. Curse God. Never. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What have you lost? It doesn't matter. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's godliness. That's what we need to add to our perseverance. When we're enduring trouble, we bless the name of the Lord. And never do we curse it. Never do we accuse we add perseverance to our self-control. We don't just maintain control over ourselves for a moment, but rather for many consecutive moments, many of which will be painful and difficult. And we add godliness to our perseverance. We remain wholly devoted to God as we endure the pain of this life. These are challenging things. These are things that are worth remembering and being reminded of. 
These are the things that Peter wanted every Christian to remember long after he was gone. And today, we are accomplishing what he hoped for when he wrote these things to us. We are reminding each other of them. And we're continuing to grow in them. Every Christian here is growing. There are Christians who are growing in self-control, in perseverance, in godliness. There are Christians who are growing in these areas. And when we stumble, we need to lift each other up. Instead of casting the accusing finger and the sideways glance, we need to lift each other up. Bring each other back to God. Arm in arm, walking together, striving to serve the Lord more correctly. If you're a Christian who needs strength or forgiveness from God this morning, you need to tell us. We're your brethren. We're your family. God has made us that way. And if you're a Christian today who needs our help, who needs to pray, who needs to repent, who needs to confess or seek forgiveness from God, tell us. Come and make it known and we will pray together. We will sing together after you've been forgiven. But if you're not a Christian and have heard the Gospel if you believe its message, if you're ready to turn from your sins in repentance and confess your belief in Jesus, committing your entire life to Him through baptism for the forgiveness of your sins in the name of Christ, then we're here to help you too. We're here for you because your soul is lost and God desires it to be saved. And we are tools in His hands on this earth. We will serve His purpose for you by baptizing you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Whatever your spiritual need is this morning, don't leave with it unmet. Leave rejoicing along with the rest of us. Please make your needs known by coming forward as we stand and sing.